0: and Welcome to Deutsche Grammophon's international podcast series. I'm Sarah Willis, and I'm happy to be podcasting for you with the Yellow Label's star-studded cast of musicians as my guests. Today, sitting opposite me in the Deutsche Grammophon offices in Berlin is the gorgeous Camille Thomas, whose second album for Deutsche Grammophon is called Voice of Hope. The cello is my second favorite instrument, after the horn, of course, and I loved hearing Camille sing with her cello on this album. Camille, bienvenue. It's great to see you again. Yes, great to be here. <laughs> Last time we saw each other, we basically only talked about shoes. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> it was at the Echo Classics in Hamburg and you'd just come off stage and you'd, you played with Xenia, played a wonderful duo, accordion and cello, And I said, oh, bravo, and I looked down at your shoes and I wanted to know everything about your shoes. (laughs) We're probably not allowed to do any advertising, but they have beautiful red soles.
1: Yes, they are special. And you're very high.
0: Very high. You're very tall. How do you feel on stage when you're wearing such high shoes? Because sometimes, you know, I wear the same shoes on stage, (laughs) the ones with the red soles, but I sometimes feel a little bit wobbly if I have to walk far.
1: Now, I'm very happy that I can sit when I just have to go from one point to my seat. <laughs> that's that's the goal. And then if I, it is actually almost. The most difficult part is done. Okay, (laughs) then I just have
0: to play. Easy, easy. Dear listeners, when you when you look at um, some of Camille's videos, please notice her shoes. They are very, very not only not only of course (laughs) the cello playing is the first thing you notice. The dresses are pretty fabulous too. I was thinking of you the other day because um, the Lebec sisters are known for their amazing piano playing, but they're also known for this incredible French haute couture that they wear. They have all the designers making things for them. Is this an advantage of being? french french belgian cellist do you have designers running after you and saying hey let me make you a dress (laughs) yeah they're not running after
1: me in the street literally (laughs) but you know how things happen no i it's true that i'm I'm very happy to have um to have very good uh, contact and connections with uh, designers with very inspiring people and what i like is to connect the things that I wear with a piece and I think a a concert is a it's a show in a way because people come listen and watch and as a respect for the music for the audience and also actually it helps me also you know it's like I put my um when I put on my dress I become a little bit a character of uh, what I will be playing it's a little bit like being a an an actor and an actress it's and when I play, I, I, I try to really become the piece. I'm not anymore Camille. I'm Elgar Concerto or Fazil or And I, I'm all the characters in the piece. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm, I'm suffering with them. I have the joy. And, and it's a very stupid thing. But when I put the dress that I choose for this concert, it's, um, yeah, it's a global thing. And I don't know. I, I become then. It helped me. Going in my bubble and becoming the musician
0: it 's not stupid at all, I totally understand. I wish often as an orchestral musician, I could wear something other than yeah. just black trousers, you know <laughs> because that 's exactly it the, the different I noticed that when I was watching videos of you, your dresses really suit your pieces <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's like a costume
0: yeah. a little bit so you're here in Berlin, your old hometown, um, do you feel nostalgic when you come back to Berlin? Yes, I love, I love it
1: I, I love because it's It's quiet and I always have the feeling like um, everything is possible in Berlin. There is this energy and also nobody is watching you. I had this feeling, I went to the Hans Eisler and I arrived in Berlin, I was
0: 18. (laughs) So, uh, Eighteen—that's <laughs> a very young age to be set loose alone in Berlin. That was
1: perfect. Yeah. Actually, my first night in Berlin, I remember my mother came with me, and then she 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 went back, and I went with her to the night train because at that time it took the night train. Were you sad? I was sad. Two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I waved. I was like, "Oh, I'm all alone." And then, two minutes later, I was walking in the street, and I was like. Oh my God, it's so nice. And this first evening, I walked to the Berlin Philharmonie. I thought, they just want to see. And then I met two French people uh, that also, like me, they just started uh, studying in Hans Eisler and they also wanted to see. So we bought tickets and my first evening was... Uh, listening to Berlin
0: film. what an honor I wonder if I was playing so uh, for I'm sure that would make me feel really old <laughs> it was 2006 yeah oh uh, yeah I was there just, just about goodness that's amazing yeah. so
1: I heard you my first night in Berlin and yeah and here, think, we yeah, oh. here we are yeah here
0: we are we're in the offices of the Deutsche Grammophon, beautiful location here in the Universal Music Building, looking out onto the Spree, you know, you can't imagine the history that has, had gone on. This was like the East and literally just over there was, was the West. You can hardly believe oh, it, that yeah. people used to try and swim across there. It's, it's crazy. An inspiring yeah. building, I find. Yeah. You are here because your new album is coming out. Actually, most people think that you would just record the album and then that's it. Then it's just put out. But there's a lot of work involved. (laughs) So tell us, what are you doing here today, and what is actually involved in bringing out an album?
1: Yeah, there is already so many things recorded, and why doing again recording? Why putting some music? And it's it's because I believe we can share uh, messages. (laughs) We can share uh, Botschaften. So how do you say? Yeah, messages. Yeah, messages. messages. And I was thinking a lot what I wanted to record and if I wanted to record and what, (laughs) because, um, yeah, you have to have something to say, I think. So it's been three years since I recorded uh, the first one and I'm so happy that I took this time. I think this recording, now Voice of Hope, is meaningful in many ways and I'm very happy about it. And I'm here to explain
0: (laughs) why. (laughs) That's now the job, So you have to do a lot of publicity (laughs) around it. Yes. Because it's been going on for three years, but it's finally ready to come out. Yes, it's true. It's, it's a very, very long process because, of course,
1: first you think uh, and you wait for the inspiration to hit <laughs> you. <laughs> so it takes some time. And first, uh, Fazil Say wrote this piece for me, this cello concerto called uh, Never Give Up. That was uh, four years ago he started. And three years ago, I played the première in Paris.
0: Which was a really... Uh, important place to play it because it's based yes. on the terror attacks that happened in exactly.
1: Bataclan. He wrote, this, uh, he, he wrote this after the terror attack in Bataclan and in Istanbul and that's why the piece is called Never Give Up because the idea of the piece is that we should never give up on hope on the human being on, on beauty with a big B. <laughs> uh, and since Premier in Paris I played it in Belgium I played it in, Deutsch, uh, in Germany, in I
0: Austria. I we, we speak... I have to explain to the listeners, if you live in Berlin and you don't come from Germany, you end up speaking this dinglish, this sort of <laughs> mixture of German-English, and it's just such a mixture of languages. So I love it. So you and, and when you're French, you do that with a French accent on both languages. We love the French accent. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> terrible. That's how it is. We cannot no, help it. No.
1: Yeah, I played it in Italy and everywhere. I was so moved... By the reaction of the public, it's it's a huge. It, this piece has a huge impact because it speaks about our life today. It speaks about this trauma that we all have from this attack, and it's 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 the real power of music to be a catharsis uh, to help people, first to maybe to cry, but then to overcome the pain. And and the concerto brings you into a Journey into our lives. So first, the cello is like a human voice who all uh, around the concerto who is speaking. It starts alone, it finishes alone.
0: Well, and the birds finish. Yes, and actually, birds it's the water. True. <laughs> Birds and the water finish. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, and it's so the first movement. It it explain explain a little bit the conflict between the civilization, between religions, within ourselves also. Everything that we we feel today is we don't understand why people cannot talk, why, why are this big fear of each other? And I think this is really the feeling that you have when you listen, this first movement. And then he created
0: it with this bataclan attack and it scared the life out of me the second movement i must say (laughs) if you're not expecting it and i listened to it before i read your notes which are beautifully written by the way (laughs) really the beautiful notes in the album and the lining the booklet but i hadn't read them yet so i was listening along thinking what a beautiful elegy a melody and all of a sudden the percussion started and that's quite shocking it sounds like a gun (laughs)
1: Yeah, and when when I it every time I'm like, <laughs>
0: yeah, <I> can imagine.
1: <laughs> and uh, you, it's funny because you can feel all the orchestra. So yeah. it's shocked because yeah. yeah, it's he wrote Kalashnikov on the score. Ah, he did. And uh, in Paris uh, for the premiere, Fazil Say he's not a guy who speaks a lot. You know, he everything into music, and then he wants the interpret to just feel it and play. And that's also very nice, you know, that it become your thing. But just there he came on stage, and he said so. You, Camille, the cello, and all the strings, you are the human, uh, and you are crying in the Bataclan, and this percussion are the guy with the gun, who kill without soul. And we are all like... I'm getting goosebumps yeah, listening do. to that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It was extremely strong, and every, every time I, I play it, I go out of myself. It's 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 funny because it's the most tiring concerto for me to play, and I, I was wondering why. And I, but it's it's because it's so emotional, and because it's yeah, it comes so deep because, because it's it's really things that we are living these things, and then the third movement it starts with birds and water sounds. And you go to the jungle, it's more like dancing, and it goes to, yeah, to the yeah. Uh, I thought idea, for but... the
0: percussionist guy, it's like it's like the bolero. You it's play, he <laughs> plays the same rhythm yeah. for like seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. No, what is it? It's in seven, <laughs> seven. <surgies> seven <aux Crimes> um, yeah. But it's very, <intoxümü> very, it's very cool. And that, that puts brings you out with a smile on yeah, your exactly. face again.
1: And people go out of the concert hall with hope in their heart and they wrote me that. I never received so many messages after a concerto. That's why I thought, I really have to record it, I really have to give a life to this piece. I want the world to hear it, because it's it's important. I I
0: really, really enjoyed (laughs) listening to it, and I was also thinking about modern pieces and modern concertos these days, because all of our instruments, you know, we are all dying to have new, great modern concertos, and I was listening recently to a horn concerto that was being premiered, and it was fantastically played and fantastically composed, but I wouldn't play it. I wouldn't put it on my stand mm. and learn it. It was far too difficult for a start. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't go out with this feeling like, okay, this is going to be a classic. Mm. Do you feel that this, that Fazil's piece could end up being played by lots of younger generations?
1: Actually, yeah, I do. Yes. It's funny because Fazil, um, when he sent me the score on WhatsApp, he, he wrote... sent you
0: the score on WhatsApp. Yeah.
1: <laughs> My, uh, hand rolled yeah. and he, he wrote me this will be a hit and I was like okay you're very confident yeah. <laughs> but yes let's see and no I, I really think and people are starting to, to play it really has yes, it been performed yes, yes. since it, fantastic yeah, by other cellists and uh, yeah it's I think it will become the concerto of our time the cello concerto because it's also as a cellist, it's also super nice to play because you go beyond the cello. You just not just play the cello, you also play Armenian flute at the beginning of the second movement. He invented this duduk sound, which duduk I never is a, heard. Duduk
0: is, is a Armenian wind, oboe, oboe yeah, instrument. Exactly. It, sounds, it sounds like it should be extinct. No, <laughs> well, that was a dodo, um, <laughs> duduk, exactly.
1: But I and it's such a beautiful sound, like pure. You, you have the feeling you're you're sitting next to the Bosphorus, and it's but very, you don't play
0: it on the duduk; you play it on the cello. I play on
1: the cello, but I play. It's a very special technique. I play very high on the C string, and I have to play with a lot of bow, a lot of vibrato, to create this impression of air in the sound and of. Very high, like like, yeah. like a voice yeah. again. Yeah. It's a, also there is a lot of colonial like very scary things. This percussion that he transformed to Kalashnikov. I also have to do a lot of sounds and. Yeah, I have the feeling I'm not only a cellist, I I can become a lot of instrument. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Well, I I hope uh, it will become (laughs) the cello piece of our generation, and I'm so proud that your name is on it. That's really, that's a wonderful thing to have a piece written for you. Yeah, so
1: it's one of the biggest things that happened to me, actually, is for now, uh, many things, I don't want to forget things, but this trust that Fazil had yeah. in me. I mean, it brought me so much because Fazil was since always uh, one of my idols uh, as a pianist. You know, I feel when he plays, you're immediately taken. He's like burning on stage. And you know? that's what I love with artists, that they give everything. There is no restriction, no fear. They just they just burn for, you, for the music. And so I always admire him for that. And then I discover what he was writing. writing and first thing I heard was his first symphony and it's so moving to see the two big heritage of our occidental culture, big German orchestra and connected to this oriental instrument yeah. and the fact that they can communicate together, for me he's a symbol of of possible peace also, you know, between
0: the two, these two parts of the world. The concerto is is like on the middle. It's like the island and you've surrounded it. So you have your own piece and you surrounded it by other people's pieces. (laughs) And you have a strong Jewish connection. You have the Kaddish. You start with Ravel's Kaddish, a Jewish prayer. We have Kol Nidrei, which was original for Cello. And almost at the very end, you put in John Williams. I love that.
1: (laughs) Yes, imagining how you could... um, Make a story, a journey. I wanted when I, I still really believe in this thing. Like I you're say, showing me
0: that have <laughs> the album here on the table with your beautiful I, picture on the front.
1: I, I really believe that when you put the CD on your player, the physical <laughs> CD, yeah. the artist takes you into a journey. He wants to like it's like writing a book. You start somewhere and you finish somewhere, and in the middle you experience things. And hopefully, you at the end, you're a little bit different or you, you received something. Yeah. And I really believe that the order of the piece is like telling a
0: story. Do you do this yourself or do you have a lot of help from Deutsche Grammophon? Do you discuss which pieces come where or do you say, I want to do this?
1: It's a common work, of course, and there's many amazing people in brain here and they have so much experience. For me, it's important to hear what are the ideas, what are the feelings, but I think what the artist feels I've learned to, to trust a little bit, even uh, always more, my my yeah, feelings. Yeah. Because at the end, you have to say something and it comes from your heart and it works. It touches people if it's uh, sincere and if it's real. And that's what also I love with the Dutch gramophone people is that they respect this. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it's always the artist. For example, I said, I really want to start with Ravel. Because I think this piece represents the album. It represents Orient and Occident. These two parts of the yeah. world, Orion and Occident, yeah. it represents the prior. Mm-hmm. I think priors are universal. It's uh, This is a Jewish prior, but it's music, it's just a way to speak to someone and something beyond yeah. us.
0: So it was good to start with this. Exactly. And then after that, you have some songs. And then the rest of it, you've done something which is quite daring, I must say. You've taken songs and arias that the biggest singers, you know, have sung Maria Callas and Pavarotti and Jonas Kaufmann, and you've put them onto the cello. It's quite cheeky, actually.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's a challenge. It's a big challenge. So after I thought, this Fazil says, cello is like a human voice on the whole concerto, and... Me, as a cellist, I always try to sing. I never sing... Can you sing, really, in real life? Yeah. The yeah, I love, I love it. No, I did, I did sing when I was yeah. young, and I, I love it, but I would not... Uh, it's much better when I sing with a cello.
0: So did, but did you... I've got to ask you this. When you were doing the Bellini, the Casa Diva, you know, from Norma, which you finished the album with, did you... Sing along with Maria Calla? Of in course, the music. I
1: sing along with her since I'm 16, <laughs> every day.
0: <laughs> no, but, uh, you posted it's, recently for Women's Day, you posted yes. the video for singing it, it's such a classic.
1: It's so beautiful. Yeah. Now, actually, I had two musical shock in my life was when I was four and I asked and my, my mother put in some CDs on and I heard the cello and I said, this is what I want to do and since that day I'm a
0: cellist. It, it was very it simple sounds a me. sounds so cliché, but it's really true. It's really it, true. Yeah. It's the same with me in the horn. The minute I played one note, that was my instrument. Yeah. That's just how it happens.
1: And it's not a job.
0: It's part of yourself. It's, uh, yeah. And, what did Yannick say? When you enter music, you enter a religion. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's like an existential goal, accomplishment. It's something that, yeah, I feel that I have something to give with the music. And uh, there's no question of if is it is tiring or if it's a lot of pressure. Or if it's, just like, it's just like that.
0: We play. It's, it's sometimes hard for people who don't know about music and musicians and what we do, who may, maybe, maybe will be listening to this. And, and when we say, oh, yeah, we give ourselves to the music, you know, it's like, well, how? They play the notes. But for us, the notes are just, we're, we're just transporting. And how we play them is hopefully what the composer would have liked, but also with all our soul, all yeah. our experiences yeah. and all our, you know, our traumas and our happy <laughs> moments. Yeah. But nowhere you put them more into, the, into these sort of songs, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, sorry, what's, what's <laughs> the last, last
0: sentence? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I song. mean, there's no better example for how to put your soul into the music yeah. than in these songs you've yeah, chosen yeah. for the album because that's they're what's also... What's right, also right, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> these great climaxes, you yes. know, where you can just let go with your entire body. Can you do that on the cello?
1: Yes, it's what I practice every day, to let go. And, and I don't sing, but when you're a singer, it comes from here and, and it's very natural. Like playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But cello, you have this instrument, but actually it's the same. It comes come from here and, and then it has to be a very natural flus. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: yeah. a sort of uh,
1: flow. Flow, a very yeah. natural flow from yeah. your stomach from your heart and your soul. Well the cello is part of your
0: body you know you are yeah that's why I think the cello the horn and the cello are such they can imitate the human voice so well because you know we sing out of our souls you have the cello as part of you you know you're you're enclosing the whole thing. When I play the horn I really do feel like I play out of my soul because I'm using my breath and you have the cello around you know it's part of your body you are literally hugging the cello. So it's difficult to explain why we use our souls to somebody that doesn't have that experience in music. But it's what we do. Do you have a better way of explaining it? (laughs) No, I mean,
1: I think it's like like an actor or so. Like, I was just uh, watching this Joker film and I thought, my God, it's very easy to imagine that for Joaquin Phoenix, it might have been a very... Difficult time, no, to dive in this darkness it's to be begin... his
0: family. <laughs> He's living the Joker. Yeah. All
1: the time. <laughs> no, but to become the evil and also, but the evil that suffered so much that he became a bad guy. Yeah. That's I, And I thought, no, it, it, it's exactly the same. He's protected in a way because it's a role. But we are protected because it's a it's a it's no, not our it's, music. It's, it's, it's yeah, we yeah. are playing. We are interpreters, yeah. but. When a concert is amazing, when magic happens, I think it's when the interpreter became one with the music, and then it may it's it means that you don't have any protections anymore. You just you suffer with the music, or you there is also joy, but you and you you give everything you have, so you're empty and you're vulnerable, very vulnerable. You make you vulnerable, and that's that's a difficult thing, but that's the beauty of it. But then also, of course. That's why sometimes we say it's a difficult job because it's
0: it is a difficult job. I think all jobs, of course, have their difficulties, but we are giving ourselves. You know, Any artist will say you, you, know, you give yourself. And also, there's a lot more critic that comes back at you if you do something that people don't like. And you have to be quite brave, I yeah. think, in our job to go out there and bring out an album, You know, a new album like this. First, to walk with high heels.
1: You <laughs> <That's laughs> have very... to be very brave to walk on stage. <laughs> but then, of course, it takes a lot of courage to come uh, in front of 2,000 people and to play something, it's stupid, but by heart, and it's extremely difficult. I mean, you cannot really maybe see it. Uh, people know that when they try to play the piano or the violin, it doesn't sound good on horn. I cannot do <laughs> The horn is, a,
0: is just an <laughs> instrument that you never know what's going to come out. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and when uh, I'm on stage, my finger, if it goes two millimeters too high, it's out of tune. And it's like very, very big... Uh, precise gymnastic it's it's a lot of training but uh, at the end you have just to go on stage and trust yourself that everything will work but the thing that helped me a lot is to think that you have to accept that you're a human being so shit can happen and it's okay.
0: We it's won't pa- beep that out. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> and people will, not, will also not uh, uh, shout at you. I mean, it's, it's also,
0: yeah. I like the idea... My mother used idea- to say it differently. She said, if it all goes wrong in the concert, when you come out, the buses will still be running. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like, okay, but it's not that big a deal.
1: Somehow it doesn't help me. No, because it doesn't. When, <laughs> when I'm on stage, it's all universe. It's a bit stupid, but suddenly it's so important Everything and I die inside when something But it's something good goes, that it is from. so important. Yeah, but I like also to take risks, and I like artists to take risks on stage to achieve this magical moment. Sometimes, it's when you try, for example, to play extremely soft. You can take risks because you can maybe not sound or not sound well. Your fingers are sweaty because you're nervous. Exactly. Or if if you want to vibrate a lot, it can also... But it's more difficult when you take risks, but then you give more, you touch more. And then if there is a failure, a failure mistake, mistake, it's beautiful. (laughs) So that's one thing. And the other thing is that I think that it's not about me, uh, that when I come on stage, I'm just here to transmit something. But just a music, you know. I'm, I'm just a humble servant, <laughs> no, And that, yeah. And it helped me so much that people are not here to watch me; they're here to listen. Those to are music. really
0: great uh, things to feel. I must admit, I don't always manage to do that. And the feeling afterwards, if it goes well, is indescribable. You know, it's such an elated yeah. uh, feeling of joy. The feelings before the concert are are different though. Those where I think all artists would say the same, we suffer our biggest self-doubt and I've often Wish I'd had a different job before a concert. Literally, I've wanted to be a gardener or a bird keeper. Those are my two things. (laughs) Because I'm not saying those jobs are a lot easier, but they would be maybe not so stressful as going in front of the stage Mm. and the Philharmonie sold out. You said in a film, you would have preferred to be a a housekeeper or a seller. Some people didn't like that, but I actually loved it because those are two such wonderful jobs. And the people who do them, of course, have their own difficulties and their own stress. But for me, they sound like such, you know, enjoy. To make crepe, can you imagine how <laughs> wonderful this would be? And this is what you meant. You weren't, you know, talking bad about housekeepers and crepes. You were praising them yes. and saying what wonderful jobs.
1: No, exactly. I just said it was a difficult job. And of course, they are uh, much more demanding physically and mentally. And I feel. So privileged to play the music. I mean,
0: but in the minutes before, you sometimes yeah, think, "Oh, why do just, I?" But just yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> there is some moment of fear, enormous fear, of course, <laughs> because because you have to go and to, you have to make you completely naked and um,
0: vulnerable in front of people, and then you just uh, experience fear. Yeah, but, this is this is what an album does, a new album, because you're not, you you have to perform it live to promote it everywhere. But you're putting your soul out there. As you know, forever, forever, <laughs> ever, ever, and maybe it will be buried in one of these pods for the future <laughs> generations, you know, or people from outer space. But uh, this is you and your very personal album, and I think this is your first album with Deutsche Grammophon, work concertos. So you are playing other people's music. This is really very personal.
1: Yes, this is a. I also recorded some albums before, but this is a, mo- a most personal album. And it's
0: scary I said, to put that out.
1: Yes, it's scary and it's so beautiful at the same time. But it's true. And when you record, it's a very special the mind and how you play it is a very special sitting because it's completely the opposite of what we do every day. What we do is the moment we play and we try to create a moment where time stops of eternity in a concert hall. And when you it manage, it's, it's, it's amazing. But then... It's gone, you take the bus and hopefully people can keep that in their heart. When you record, you try to to give your voice on some pieces and you know that it will stay, it will stay with you and it will be how you play this. So then you think so much more how you want to present it. It's a very different pressure. And that's why I come back to what we were saying at the beginning. I want to tell a story. That's also why I choose pieces for the voice because... Yeah, as I said, I just I'm not just playing notes. I want to to speak. I want to sing. cry with my cello. I want to sing. I want to dance to laugh, And for me, it's it's so inspiring to play this Bellini, Casta Diva, or Donizetti. I was uh, I was listening to so many singers and. The words are missing, but I have other ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> I can work with uh, with sound colors, I can work with vibrato, I can work with uh, dynamic, with time. So it's research that I love to do, because I think you can bring something else, actually, when you play with the cello. You say, it, yeah, I need courage to uh, record Casta Diva after La Calas, and it's true, it's <laughs> it's a very, very big challenge. And at, at the beginning, I was not sure that we will put it on the CD. When we record it, I thought, let's record and let's see. But then I felt that it brings something different, maybe more intimate, more, yeah, maybe more direct, because a voice, a soprano voice, it's so big that sometimes it's not human anymore, you know, it's it's my dream, I I, I love it. But with the cello, somehow I think it can, it's closer for me to the human feeling. Yeah.
0: Well, congratulations, really. I really, really enjoyed listening to this and the product is beautiful. Your picture, the the fact that you're not wearing high heels on the cover, I was a bit surprised because I've only ever known you in high heels, (laughs) but it's beautiful. The whole product is beautiful. And thank you for coming and talking to me about it, but you're not quite finished yet. Oh. We were talking about opening our soul and doing things that we fear. I don't know if you fear this yet. I know you had a boyfriend who used to play the French horn, so (laughs) you might be a little bit further than most of my guests. But I would like to challenge you to play like Maria Callas on the French horn. I have my French horn here. (laughs) You have your beautiful Stradivari behind you yes. that's on loan, isn't it, for, <laughs> yes. from, from the foundation in Japan?
1: Yes, Nippon Music Foundation.
0: Nippon mm. Music Foundation, and it's beautiful. You can, it, the, the wood, you can already tell that it sounds amazing. I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, so my horn is here, and I'm just going to... Yeah, it's got some condensed water inside it from when I was practicing earlier. I'll just tip that onto the Deutsche Grammophon carpets here. (laughs) In these days of hygiene, I brought you a freshly cleaned mouthpiece. (laughs) That's for you. Thank you. And you see it, so... That wasn't Camille, that was me just warming up the horns, because a warm horn plays better than a cold horn. Camille now has her mouthpiece, and you're going to try and make a little buzz for me? Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. Okay, so that was just on the mouthpiece. That was pretty good, actually. (laughs) So now I am going to here, take out my mouthpiece, pass the horn over to you. In goes the mouthpiece. At least you know where it goes. That's already (laughs) a real, yeah. So usually you put your hand in the bell. but but yeah, good. You've been taught well. So, ready? It's been, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> Very long time. Okay, right. Ready? So here we go, the Deutsche Grammophone International Podcast Horn Challenge taken by Camille Thomas. <laughs> that scared me almost as much <laughs> as the Kalishnikov in the second movement of your concerto. <laughs> pretty good I'd say you won that challenge that was you've done this before
1: Wow, are a the competitors
0: yeah oh well Lisa Batishvili oh. she played very dangerously, like Charlie Chaplin she went do 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 Viking or yeah well, you'll, you'll see you, we will compare them all and uh, we'll ask the public to vote I hope you yeah please I... but that sounded not at all how you look <laughs> No, but I don't sound how I look. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> in general. Yes, people... you, you play with a very big sound. <laughs> and I must say on the horn, you could hold your own in a Bruckner symphony. Oh, <laughs> I would love it. Thank Man you for coming in. And I would say, could you play us out on the horn? And uh, love to see you. And please come back soon and talk to us. So, Camille, take it away. Again? Okay. Yes. Second try. <laughs> But I made a sound. You made such a shout, really, like the Kalishnikons. (laughs) Honestly, amazing.